Возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к преддверию нашей надежды, да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа, мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которые очертила десница Твоя для поклонения святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество – все это да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег могущества Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего. Пропитай нас Духом Твоим Святым. Позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки. Веди его рукою превознесенную. Великий Бог, Отец и Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь. Можете садиться.
С Господом путь пройти наше желание. Пусть светит дом пути Его сияние. В нем наш источник сил, благословение. Пусть не всегда цветы, пусть не всегда герой, но сколько радости дарует нам Христос. С ним вереница лет будет, как только сон. С дивных цветов венец для нас Источник сил, благословение. С Господом путь пройти наше стремление. Смело глядим мы вдаль, будущность всех дорог. Нам не страшна печаль, путь приготовил Бог. Светлой надежды луч сердечный мир дари. Солнцем сквозь ряды туч за нами Бог следит.
If you have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture that contains the depth and riches and knowledge of God that God desires to reveal to us 
all the deeper and greater. Matthew 5:45 and 48, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. Relevant to fulfilling this required commandment, we stop to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a man, specifically the goals that the righteousness of God abiding within our heart is called to pursue, and in part we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart, received by us in the two broken tablets, in which we died by the law for the law, to live for the one that that had died and resurrected and received then confirmation of our salvation in the two in the new tablets of the covenant the two new tablets in the format of the law of the spirit of life to provide god the foundation to give us the promise to be heirs of peace not by the law but by the righteousness of faith like he gave it to abraham and his seed the book of romans 4:13 For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Romans 4.13 We need to know that the righteousness of faith is determined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, which is presented in the preached word of God's delegated persons, having the person that represents the fatherhood of God for us. Therefore, the promise of peace is given only to those men that are obedient to the order of God, in accordance to which God sends us his word by his delegated persons. Therefore, the covenant of peace within the heart of a man is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God or the spoken word by God's delegated people. We need to examine a person as to whether he truly is sent by God to present to us his word by the order of delegation implemented by God and by the existing within our heart anointing to determine the voice of God in the mouth of the person who is supposed to represent for us the fatherhood of God and differentiate his voice from other voices. 1 John 2, 18 through 26. Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. These Antichrists, these people, are people who leave their church. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. These things I have written by you concerning those who try to deceive you, so that we can confront those people that attempt to deceive us, that you can go and wander from one church to the next, and not just wander, but before you go to another church, uh, mock the church that you were in, and pour mud over it, and then go to the next, and there do the same thing. By the means of the righteousness of faith, the covenant of peace demonstrated in the inheritance of peace is called to abide and be within the heart of a man as evidence of the fact that we are children of God. Therefore, the inheritance of peace present in the covenant of peace is actually the treasury of our hope in God, containing the complex of all of the promises of God. The accomplishing 
of this inheritance is the goal of the given to us righteousness. It is righteousness by the means of the peace of God contained in the covenant of peace that can and is called to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When a person is within Christ Jesus and his mind is in Christ Jesus, then for such a person, nothing is, he's not afraid of anything because the Holy Spirit protects him. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. To <clears throat> may to make uh, let your request be made known with thanksgiving pretty much uh, demonstrates our understanding that everything that we ask for has already been responded to. The peace of God that is, is able to guard our thoughts in Christ Jesus, our thoughts that are renewed by the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit. This is why we're able to know what is given to us by God. Because to be carnally minded is death, which is why they are not subject to the law of God and cannot be. Therefore, all of the desire of a person to be in Christ Jesus, he with these thoughts cannot be. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, Romans 8, 6 through 8. According to this statement, we conclude that people that have not allowed the truth of the preached word in the power of the Holy Spirit to renew their mind by the spirit of their mind have no connection to the peace of God and are not able to have it. And consequently, such people have no connection to the sons of peace either, that by the means of the peace of God would inherit eternal salvation in the kingdom of heaven. We need to apprehend this well that it is only the collaboration of our spirit with our mind that is within Christ Jesus we, that we are called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our bodies and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ. And now to look at the righteousness of faith bringing about the inheritance of peace and understand the conditions outlining the way our righteousness needs to garment itself into the armor of this peace so that our mind would be perfect as our Heavenly Father be perfect, we have come to the necessity to look at four classical questions. What are the qualities of the peace of God in Scripture called to guard our minds in Christ Jesus? By what power does the peace of God have within the relationship of God with man, man with other men, and man with all the world. What conditions do we need to fulfill to be clothed into the peace of God, called to guard our minds in God? And by what signs are we able to determine, examining ourselves, that we are sons of peace as well as the sons of God? Because it is by the reign of the peace of God within our heart that we are able to determine and examine ourselves that we are the sons of God. As it is written, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Matthew 5, 9. We've noted that if a person has not died for his nation, for the house of his father, and for his corrupt life and desires, then his justification, which he received in salvation by faith in Christ Jesus, in the format of a guarantee, will never convert into righteousness, by which he would be able to receive 
and be clothed into the promise of peace, so that he in righteousness would bear fruits of peace. And furthermore, not dying for their nation, house, uh, house of their father, and corrupt desires, the promise of peace will be taken from them, giving them the right to be called sons of God. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Revelations 3.11 Apostle Paul said, I know that the crown of glory is being prepared for me. People that do not love the appearance of the Lord, the coming of the Lord, the crown of righteousness will not be given to them. The coming of the Lord is use all of your abilities and strength to meet for the meeting of him or the coming of coming meeting with Christ and we know for this it is necessary to receive the promise that is at the door of our hope to res- uh, enthrone the resurrection of Christ in your body and clothe your body into the resurrection of Christ this promise will be testimony and guarantee that you will be raptured to God what can what what is it that will guarantee that God will do this that he'll clothe us into his son that our earthly bodies will be delivered from the law of sin and death if you remember it is written I will give uh, her to her from there the vineyards and the valley of Accor from where from the from the wilderness I will draw her to the wilderness and I will speak to her heart and I will give her to her from there her vineyards and the valley of Accor this means that the price is the great thirst great yearning and thirst to finally separate from the sinful person that the law that reveals sin would stop uh, <clears throat> stop being an enemy in us and convert into the law of the spirit of life it is necessary for us to bear Methuselah the one that drives away death Enoch walked after the birth of Methuselah 300 years before God and God took him this is very important to understand because if we will thirst specifically for this promise then we will do everything that is necessary in order to have this promise come about we will sanctify ourselves and we will proclaim the non-existent as existent but people for the most part Christian people trust that in order to inherit the kingdom of heaven and to meet with Christ you need to call sinners to repentance you need to use the gifts of the spirit you need to rebuke demons and so forth this is what they think about but what actually they with unfaithful means want to enter the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of heaven is given to those people that will be clothed into Christ into his appearance will love it if you will love his coming then you will uh, worry about that and do what you have to for that we need to remember that the promise of peace receives its power and its legitimacy within our heart only by the righteousness of our faith in the covenant of peace which places responsibility upon both parties or both sides of the covenant where each of the sides of the covenant is responsible to fulfill their role that is implemented by God according to the requirements of the existing covenant and if one of these sides breaks or violates the agreement that was made in the covenant of peace which 
between God and man, to note that such a violator can only be the side of a man, then the other side being God is released or freed from the responsibility of fulfilling the agreement or the covenant of peace. Therefore, the fruit of righteousness identified as the peace of God within our heart is evidence of the fact that we are sons of peace. This serves as grounds or a basis for God so that He can fulfill His side of the covenant of peace, which consists of leading us into the inheritance of His Son so that we would be able to share with Him the fulfillment of all that is to be written, that is written about Him that has come to come to pass in the lost prophets and psalms, because justification that we receive by right of our birth from the seed of the word of truth has converted into righteousness with which we became able to bear the fruits of peace within our relationship with God and with those around us with all those people that we will come in contact with. But as we have confirmed, we're talking about such a unique and supernatural peace that is able to function only within <clears throat> able to function only within the boundaries of holiness or be an expression and demonstration of holiness. These outlined and identified boundaries of holiness are the commandments of God. If it is possible as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Romans 12:18. We here see that it is not possible to have peace with all men. Therefore, the peace that we dare to demonstrate out of the boundaries of our holiness and not as an expression of holiness will be incriminated to us as a serious form of lawlessness for which we will be required to pay a price of eternal life because our communication with people that the scriptures identify as evil company will corrupt our good habits and will transform us into their wicked image. Do not be deceived, evil company, corrupt good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. 1 Corinthians 15, 33-34. Apostle Paul says that sin is when we continue to communicate with evil company. We read above, Apostle John writes, evil company are people who came out from us. The scriptures called them antichrists, and so do not call these people holy. Yes, they continue somewhat to serve God. As Cain, he left, but he still served God. He served God uh, so much that he attracted all the sons of God to perish with him. He convinced them. Only Noah was able to avoid this perversion. Be careful to, to communicate with corrupt company. Uh, God is the same one that had flooded the world, not uh, not having any mercy upon sons of God that had married the sons of Cain or the the daughters of Cain, the the daughters of the world. The scriptures say this is a great sin. It is impossible and criminal to have peace with the unclean and the lawless who support the unclean, that in their time accepted the truth, but afterwards left their church and turned away from the holy commands that were given to them. The very fact of the rebelliousness and resistance of the words from God's delegation that are placed over them testify of the loss of peace in their heart and member them to the category of the wicked. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Isaiah 57, 20-21. The same place is also written in the 49th chapter of Isaiah and other places. In the previous services, we in a specific format as much as the Lord has allowed and the measure of our faith have already looked at the first three questions and stopped to study the fourth question. 
by what signs are we able to examine ourselves that we are sons of peace as well as the sons of God. Of course, we are here noting that we're not to examine our neighbor but ourselves, that we are sons of peace as well as sons of God, called to share with uh, the inheritance of Christ contained in the laws, prophets, and psalms. We have noted that the limits or boundaries of holiness within which peacemakers, similar to their Heavenly Father, perform peace within the time and boundaries ordained to them by God are the boundaries of the commandments of the Lord and the format of the elementary principles of Christ. The tool by which the sons of peace perform peace within the boundaries of the commandments of the Lord is the righteousness of their faith, justification that is converted into the format of righteousness. In a specific format, we've already looked at six signs by which we need to determine and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace as well as the sons of God and have been studying the seventh sign. The seventh sign by which we need to determine that we are part of the sons of peace is by the ability to clothe your essence into the holy and selective love of God. Colossians 3.14 and 15 But above all these things put on love which is the bond of perfection and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. We have noted that according to this place of scripture the rule of the peace of God in our heart is possible only upon the condition and that is if the selective love of God will abide within our heart and if we will be clothed into the selective love of God. By itself the selective love of God is an uncomprehendable for the human mind goodness of God or kindness that is inherent to God. Since in the selective love of God, which is the goodness of God, we see the concealed good, wonderful, eternal, and uncomprehendable for the human mind, goals and works of God called to build a unique and peaceful relationship between God and exclusively this with His children. Because God loves those who love Him and hate those who hate Him. Jesus died only for His church. Only for His church. Washing her with pure waters by the word, so she may be holy and without blemish before him. How did he cleanse her? By the means of the preached word. When we hear the preached word and we receive it, it cleanses us from all chaff of the flesh. Defining the selective love of God that is demonstrated in Christ Jesus, which surpasses our knowledge or is out of the boundaries of being understood by the abilities of our mind, Apostle Paul says that to comprehend the love of God is called to fill us with all of the fullness of the peace of God, or to make us perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. To comprehend the selective love of God, it is necessary with the Spirit of God to be strengthened with might in our inner person that in nature is relative to the nature of God. To be strengthened with might in the inner person is to receive the, the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life. Ephesians 3:16 through 19, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is that width, length, and depth, and height, to know the love of Christ which, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
In this place of scripture, he says, I pray for you, and he wrote the, pray, the prayer pretty much that he prays for them. The phrase that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints indicates the necessity to find the narrow gate in the form of a good wife, symbolizing all of the saints that are included in the category of God's chosen flock. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Proverbs 18.22 To find a good thing and to obtain favor from the Lord in your membership to the chosen by God remnant is to discover the treasure of the kingdom of heaven upon your field. The promise that belongs to the door of our hope. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field, Matthew 13, 44. According to this parable, we conclude that if a person does not discover the hidden in the field treasure of the kingdom of heaven by searching for it, he will not be able to utilize the grace of God in the form of a good wife to bring about his salvation. The symbol of the field upon which the treasure of the kingdom of heaven is hidden, we see a symbol of our body that is under the power of the law of sin and death. But for whom at the door of our hope the promise that is called to deliver her from the law of sin and death belongs. Upon the condition that we sell all that we have in the form of our nation, the house of our father and our fleshly life, for this field in the form of our earthly body to whom the promise of the kingdom of heaven belongs, belongs called to deliver it from the law of sin and death. <clears throat> this is what we need to sell again to receive this field. <clears throat> Therefore, finding a good wife is making a matrimonial contract or a marital union with a specific church of saints that satisfied the condition of the chosen by God flock. According to scripture, the selective love of God as the true virtue that a virtuous wife demonstrates is kindness or goodness grown from knowing God by listening to the preached word about the kingdom of heaven inside of a man. However, to have a more practical specification when it comes to the selective love of God, we decided to look at the character and quality contained in the selective love of God in the form of seven qualities of virtue presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture in the spoken word of the apostles and prophets. 2 Peter 1, 2-8 Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to this place of scripture, we conclude that each of the individual elements of the fruits of virtue contains the characteristics of all of the rest of the qualities, as the, they flow one from the other, complete one the other, strengthen one the other, and exist one in the other. Second, the given qualities are the moral perfection and example inherent to the essence of God. The given qualities are the great and precious promises given to us in Jesus Christ. 
that is by his death and his resurrection. The, the given qualities are the imperishable treasure and wealth with which you need, we need to become rich. And it is impossible to become rich if our heart is in money, if we desire uh, worldly wealth. We need to have power over money. We can't serve God and mammon at the same time. And to become rich in faith, we need to that we rule over the money we have and that they rule over you. Fifth, in order to receive, to enter into the uh, these virtues, we need to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. This, uh, the means that we are to utilize for receiving the power of the Holy Spirit is our faith, or the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. And by inheriting these great and precious promises, we become part of God's divine nature. Therefore, true virtue that we see in the seven qualities and characteristics of the selective love of God have nothing in common with and cannot have anything in common with the nature of human love that is filled with egoism, greed, and is temporary. Therefore, the selective love of God is the transcendent love of God abiding in the unapproachable light coming from the goodness of God. This virtue is identified as the great mystery of godliness contained in the work of God's redemption. And without controversy great is the mystery of godliness god was manifested in the flesh justified in the spirit seen by angels preached among the gentiles believed on in the world received up in glory first timothy 3 16 because of this we began to study the selective love of god in the context and format of the seven qualities of unearthly virtue which we are called to demonstrate in our faith, to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our earthly bodies and clothe our earthly body into the resurrection of Christ that is into our new person. And for this reason, it was necessary for us to differentiate the selective love of God from the tolerant love of man. As the quality of the selective love of God does not compare in any way with what man calls love, because the virtue of the selective love of God are eternally existing virtues and characteristics of God himself, our Heavenly Father, as well as his all-consuming holiness and all that comes from God, because God is love. The virtue of the selective love of God is an uncomprehendable for a human mind transcendent love which is identified according to Scripture as the bond of perfection. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Colossians 3.14 The bond of perfection of the selective love of God is unconditional when it comes to the other seven qualities of virtue. Unlike the tolerant and egotistical love of man, the unconditional nature of the selective love of God is different in that it contains the burning jealousy of God, all his knowledge and his absolute wisdom, and in no way is able to be used for greedy and egotistical purposes and goals. At the same time, the tolerant love of man toward other men is very conveniently used for greedy and egotistical purposes. Here's what the scriptures say regarding the strength of the love of God. Songs of Solomon 8, 6, 7, Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, 
it would be utterly despised. The unconditional nature of the selective love of God can be received and given exclusively by knowing the truth within your heart and receiving the Holy Spirit upon the basis of absolute and reasonable willingness of the person. The measure of the love of God is identified by by and is known by the measure of God's hatred toward evil and men who do this evil. Because only loving what God loves and hating what God hates, we demonstrate God's reaction to good and evil. In a specific format, we've already looked at the selective love of God in virtue, knowledge, and self-control and stopped to study perseverance. Because by the measure you demonstrate the perseverance of Christ in your heart, that you can judge about the measure of the presence of the selective love of God within your heart. Relevant to this, we turn to some testimonies from the Holy Scriptures that can show in what situations and in what way we demonstrate the selective love of God in the perseverance of Christ. In a specific format, we've already looked at two characteristics of the perseverance of Christ in the selective love of God. And the first one we paid attention to is that the selective love of God demonstrated in our heart in the perseverance of Christ is called to flow in long-suffering with joy, where we can thank God, thank God the Father for being partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Colossians 1, 10 through 12, the book of Apostle Paul, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. We have noted that the nature of the perseverance flowing in all suffering with joy, where we receive the ability to thank God the Father for being partakers of the saints in the light, is the perseverance of Christ, that in status as well as by its characteristics is not analog to the worldly status and definition of perseverance or patience. 2 Thessalonians 3.5 Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. <clears throat> the patience or perseverance of Christ flowing in long-suffering with joy within the selective love of God is based on the supernatural ability to see your inheritance or to see the calling you have in God with the eyes of God and wait with the hope the fulfillment in, of, what is, of what you saw with the ability of Christ. It is this knowledge of the future coming from the revelation given by God that provides us the ability to boldly overcome persecution, lack, and suffering for the truth, so we with hope can wait for the fulfillment of all the promise, promises of the future on earth. The Greek word patience, identifying true virtue within the selective love of God, means to look with the eyes of God, to treasure time, to differ the times, to await with joy, await with hope, do things in your time or timely, continue within the order of God. According to this fact, we conclude that the selective love of God demonstrated in the perseverance or patience of Christ is called to show itself in all things that pertain to the collaboration of our knowledge with the knowledge of God in the aspect of waiting for the Son of God from heaven who delivers us from the coming wrath, to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven, to wait with perseverance. You wait when there's perseverance, 
If there's no perseverance, you will not wait. For his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9, 10. According to this place of scripture, we conclude that all perseverance demonstrated in the selective love of God is linked to waiting for a specific hope that a person is well aware of. The main enemy of the patience of Christ in the selective love of God is our human hastiness or our impatience that comes from our personal point of view. Having faith and a good conscience which some have rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck. 1 Timothy 1.19 We have noted that shipwreck in our faith is a willing collaboration with the enemies of our faith. This enemy is our personal point of view or opinion. At the same time, victory over the enemies of our faith, the enemies being our impatience and hastiness, is to reject our personal point of view for the benefit of the, time, of the time that God has implemented. Our impatience based upon our personal point of view is an underwater rock as a barrier upon our path to perfection in Christ that will lead us to shipwreck in our faith. Because impatience revealed in hastiness is a rebellious and abominable work of the flesh, replacing the will of God with the will of the flesh. Second, impatience revealed in hastiness means that we begin fulfilling our calling before our appointed time or not within the implemented by God time, which is why we begin to fulfill our calling in an unfaithful state with unfaithful means, chosen by our own understanding, which is against God, in the time that is in His control. Third, impatience based upon personal un understandings of the truth is controlled by specific legions of religious demons from under the heavens that are experienced psychologists and professionals when it comes to falsifying the truth. In this way, the prompting factor to all of our primary acts will either be a revelation or a specific circumstance or a desire that is inspired by our opinion, being sp supported by unclean spirits presenting themselves as the Holy Spirit. You think, why the prophets prophesy? that there's going to be great enlightenment through you that there's good because this person sees that these other people desire this so he says it and these people easily accept it walk around churches uh, either American churches or others uh, I three times have heard this about myself that God will do this through you and God will a couple of years ago we had a person that said that Enlightenment will come from Oregon, from his church. He gathered enough money and then sold the church and everything to another person, another pastor. Receiving this kind of revelation as the truth, we unwillingly place ourselves in dependence of demonic wellsprings and end up in the armies of the enemies of the Lord, which is why we bring the wrath of God upon, upon us and experience shipwreck in our faith. Further, we experience shipwreck in our faith also when we, due to our ignorance, underestimate our enemies or do not see any danger in our previously done acts. Second, the selective love of God demonstrated in our heart in the perseverance of Christ is connected to waiting for a specific hope that a person is well of, aware about or of. 
Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Romans 5, 5. The love of God is poured out not in emotions but in our calling, what we need to do. To hope means to trust. When a person trusts in the promises of God, in him is formed a base or a foundation for waiting for what God has promised. If we have the ability to wait for the fulfillment of the promises, with this we demonstrate our love to God, the perseverance of Christ. The tragedy of impatience consists in the fact that impatience is a willing and conscious form of disobeying the truth. This is witchcraft. Insufficiency of knowledge happens from impatience, demonstrated in forsaking, forgetting, and rejecting knowledge, knowledge that is required for worshiping God in priesthood. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you for being priests to me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will, re- will forget your children. Hosea 4.6 Third, the selective love of God demonstrated in our heart in the perseverance of Christ is the knowledge and ability to be in a right at, in the right place at the right time by the revelations of the Holy Spirit made known to us by the delegation of God. Book of John 7, 8. Jesus says to his disciples, You go up to this feast. I am not yet being up, going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. But at the pretty much like... So when the uh, feast finally was going, and then he then appeared later on. A person who possesses the perseverance of Christ is a person that possesses the knowledge of Christ, that by following the commandments of the Lord, receives the ability to know and be in the right place at the right time. At the same time, impatience is a person whose base is his opinion, which is why he is not able to understand and be in the right place at the right time. He who keeps his command will experience nothing harmful, and a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment, because for every matter there is a time and judgment, though the misery of a man increases greatly, for he does not know what will happen, so who can tell him when it will occur? Ecclesiastes 8, 5-7 According to the given allegory, we conclude that it is a great evil that is to be experienced by an impatient person, consisting of him not accepting over himself the authority of the person that represents the fatherhood of God for him, that would be able to teach him what will be and how it will be, so that he can be in the right place and the right time and wait for the promise with patience. We need to know well that the patience of Christ as a characteristic of the selective love of God within our heart is linked to wisdom, which knows what to do and when to do it. First Chronicles 12.32 of the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, their chiefs were two hundred and all their brethren were at their command. David is a symbol of a person that possesses a renewed mind. 
placed in dependence of the revelations of the Holy Spirit. Those contained, containing such a mind in the situation were 200 chiefs from the sons of Issachar. In this way, the tw- uh, 200 chiefs from the sons of Issachar were the shields from the wrath of God for all of Israel upon the condition that David, who was the head of Israel, followed their word. 1 King 10.16 And King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold. 600 shekels of gold went into each shield. I want to show uh, the symbol of these 200 people. These are 200 hammered shields hammered that is not again you don't you don't you don't mold them you hammer them and so there's always signs of it being hammered on to, on them the absence of wisdom brings tearful results the wisdom that is inherent to perseverance and identifies perseverance this is the very reason that many promises of god will either be left unclaimed or will continually and methodically be destroyed we need to note that such shipwreck in the promises of god often does not occur in all aspects at once but gradually goes from death of promise to the next which is why to the inheritance of the promises and calling of many saints to service was either delayed by many years or was accompanied by many undesirable and hurtful elements or were completely forsaken. The results of impatience in receiving an heir, I will bring about a couple of examples of how the results of impatience impact the promises of God to receive an heir Abraham so he went into Hagar and she conceived and when she saw that she had conceived her mistress became despised in her eyes so Hagar bore Abraham a son and Abraham named his named his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael Genesis 16 4 and 15 see what happened from this impatience At that time, Ishmael was was, uh, cruel to to Isaac, and Hagar was cruel towards Sarah. And Abraham was not happy at the moment, of course. uh, And he felt that Sarah was unjust when she said uh, to have Hagar and Ishmael leave. And when the Lord revealed to Abraham that this is right and do as she says, then Abraham did follow the words that she had said. You see what had happened uh, further down the line. Today, the whole world is moving because of this act of Abraham. All of the world politics depend from the uh, act of Abraham, the decision of Abraham at the at the moment. Ishmael trying to eliminate Israel from the maps hate Israel. And the one and the other are the children of Abraham. The one is from Sarah, Israel, and the other is from Hagar. And the one and the other want want the same thing, one by the flesh, the other by the spirit. And the world economics are dependent upon this. And religion also, hundreds of thousands of people perish 
and millions hunger because he was impatient and followed uh, pretty much Sarah saw that uh, Abraham really wanted a son and he let her go into Hagar and of course Abraham believed that Sarah was supposed to bear a child but he wanted to receive the the heir sooner, faster and he did receive one and see what's happening today you see what happens from the result of impatience in the saints our impatience uh, then is resounded in the world and affects the world. The results of impatience in taking on your calling. Then Pharaoh heard of the matter. He sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Exodus 2.15 Moses knew about his calling that he needed to lead the nation of Israel from slavery, out of slavery. And he decided that the time has come and as soon as he saw that an Egyptian was hurting an Israelite he killed this Egyptian and then he saw two brothers uh, arguing among each other two Israelites and he said why are you arguing and he said well who had placed you as judge over us or do you want to kill one of us as you had killed the Egyptian yesterday and he understood that this was spread that the very brothers had already sp- uh, spread the information that he had killed the the Egyptian being, ang- being angry at his nation and his calling, he ran. You see how many years God needed to wait to lead the nation of Israel through Moses, 40 years. He needed to attend the flocks of his father Jethro. What was in his way? What was interfering in his making peace with God? He always said to God, if you did this, then why? Did you not protect me there in Egypt? Many, a lot of time passed, 40 years, and finally he stopped asking these questions, why and for what reason, and began to see God. This, when he went to the mountain of God and he saw the burning bush, he was seeking God, and God told him, remove your sandals from your feet for the place that you stand on is holy ground I will send you and you will lead my nation out of out of Egypt but he had died this promise had died in him and he said Lord send someone else for 40 years I already died for all of this it is written that the Lord wanted to kill him because he dared to resist his his decision God's decision and of course he then went and fulfilled his calling the result of impatience in the aspect of sanctification it's in the likeness of today's encounters people do not wait for the time for the start of sanctification and the results of sanctification now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel 1st Chronicles 21.1 every Israelite uh, had paid a specific amount of silver and this silver 
was then uh, melted together and was hammered out and this was in a memory before God that they had given they sanctified themselves silver sanctification by the blood of Christ it's very important that you need God to do this all the num- uh, censuses were done uh, God had moved Joshua and others to perform that census and he did this when the nation wasn't fully sanctified and that was the reason for it the purpose of it before they went into the Canaanite land God said perform the census not because God didn't know how many warriors there were but to sanctify the nation but here Satan stood up why do people think that sanctification the desire to sanctify yourself can come only from God people think that the desire to pray only comes from God. The desire to pray can come from the flesh and the devil and sanctification from the flesh or the devil. When it comes from God, then God begins to reveal the depths of sanctification, what it means and how to sanctify yourself. He begins to reveal the sinful nature of the man. He begins to reveal what dead works are and how to cleanse your conscience from dead works. But when people by flesh begin to perform sanctification, we see what this is a disaster. These encounters have uh, uh, damned the people because this is not sanctification. This is mockery. The result of impatience in receiving materialistic success. Numbers 1614. Moreover, you have not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you put out the eyes of these men who will who we will not come up? <coughs> they paid attention not to the a wealth of God himself, they paid attention to the results <clears throat> that will happen from communicating with God. I will bring them into the wilderness. God wanted to give them him them his law and make his people his priests, and only after that lead them into the land. But they began to demand that he lead them into the into the land immediately. When will you lead us in? Years pass by, and the years pass by because they demonstrated impatience and disobedience. <clears throat> and so God said, for the 40 years, you will now walk for 40 years. Proverbs 28, 20, it says, a faithful man will abound with blessing, <clears throat> but he who hate, hastens to be rich will not, be, uh, not go unpunished. And they did not see riches and blessing the blessings that were placed upon their account, they didn't see wealth in these things. They should have rejoiced that God had placed the promised land upon their account. But they did not rejoice in this. They said, where is it? It's impatience. And in this way, it says, they remain, did not go unpunished. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Luke 16.10 What is this least that they need to be faithful in? God had given to them manna, but they did not 
They were not faithful to God in this. They wanted meat, they wanted melons, they wanted garlic, and so forth. And God says, God did give them meat, and they rejoiced. But it's written that meat was in their, between their teeth. I trust that they uh, did have methods of also cleaning their mouths at that time as they do today, and it looks like maybe if they were eating that the meat was still there, or, but if they were unfaithful, then God was not able to give them another, another bread blessing as they forsook the bread that was from heaven and they were not able to receive Christ, the true bread, they crucified him. Just as they uh, treated manna, calling it, what is this? The same way they treated Christ because he came not as a king from the tribe of Judah and passed on power to them, taking but he came as a simple person, although he, from, he was from the royal line, he was born in a manger because there was no place for him in the inn. He lived as a working, hardworking person. He was a carpenter and a good carpenter. He built himself his house. He lived in that house and he went out to service, not being materialistically wealthy, or a crown on his head. <clears throat> and so they were waiting for another Messiah and crucified him. This was the result of impatience and wanting materialistic prosperity. People who wait for materialistic prosperity will forsake Christ, as Judas Iscariot did. The results of impatience in waiting for a revelation. For Samuel 10:8, you shall go down before me in Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace. Peace offerings, seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you, sh you should do. Saul did not wait for the revelations of God to know what he ought to do and, bega and he began doing what appeared in his eyes at the moment to be correct which is why he was rejected from being king and experienced complete shipwreck in his faith the results of impatience in the aspect of seeking God 1 Chronicles 15, 11 through 15. And David called the priests. He said to them, You are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place I have prepared for it. For because you did not do it that the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us, because he did not consult, we did not consult him about the proper order. So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bore the ark of God on their shoulders by its poles, as Moses had commanded according to the words of the Lord. In the given situation, the impatience demonstrated in the aspect of seeking God was a personal mistake, although David was sincerely convinced in that. He carried the ark incorrectly, not with God's means did he fulfill his dedic uh, dedication. He truly brought out the ark to bring it into the tabernacle that he prepared for it 
but he incorrectly took it. He wanted to quickly bring it. You see, to walk, to bring it. He realized what he needed to do, of course, and he understood after every sixth step. You need to uh, bring a sacrifice. Instead of carrying it upon oxen, they needed to bring it, carry it upon the shoulders of the priests, and every sixth step, uh, they needed to sacrifice. And so that path that would have taken maybe an hour, because it wasn't very far from where they were t- bringing it, but it took them three days. You needed to not sleep three nights and three days and and continue to move and pour the entire way by blood. Impatience always wants something quickly and does not want to pay an appropriate price for it. But God had shown, if you want to truly that I enter into your heart as the Lord and Master and drive out the law of sin and death from your body, then you need to carry my ark into your heart and in its place you prepared your heart but you want it quickly when will this happen Lord when will this happen this will be a difficult path this is the path of the cross where God will completely deal with your enemies and the sinful person will deliver you from him and only then will you bring it in and put it in its place. Right now we are going to pray in all those who desire to confront their impatience, their mistakes, their sufferings, their bitterness. God is upon this place to forgive you so that your wounds that are in your heart that they be covered with balm and healing he perfectly understands you and sees you sees your desire to enthrone Jesus in your body and be clothed into the resurrection of Christ but there is a path that each one of us paths a need to take to be delivered from the sinful man with his deeds from our desires to be delivered from our nationalities to be delivered from the dependence of the house of our fathers let us bend our knees and pray and all those who desire to repent we wait for you here at the altar Amen I'm going to be praying together with you and I ask you to deeply believe that God is on your side he is for you he's not against you he desires to cleanse your hearts from bitterness from the dependence of any sins and lead you into his temple to enter into your heart as a king and lord to deliver you from the sinful man with his deeds to enthrone Christ in your heart close your eyes this is a symbol of your room lift your hands to God a sign that you're ready to receive from him what he wants to give you. Pray together with me, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you with a broken heart, with suffering, with shame, dependence from sin, 
I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal me, deliver me from shame, from illnesses, from fear. I love you. I hate sin. I hate the sinful man with his deeds. Deliver me from him by your cross, by the power of your blood. Cleanse my sins. I believe in the redeeming blood and the power of the cross. I open up my heart and I ask you, come in and be a Lord and King of my life. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your word, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Amen, amen. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May all these blessings come upon you and your children and be fulfilled upon you. And the nation shall say, Amen. First Corinthians eleven twenty-three through thirty-two. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, "Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me." In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and not his neighbor, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, that is, examines his neighbor or children, saying that they are not, they don't have the right to eat of the holiness of God, is in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick, sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. This mystery that the mind of man is not able to fully comprehend, because if it could, then it would not forbid children from taking part. The scriptures say, if you will not become as a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. A person in his ignorance dares to uh, state to God that they are not able to discern so they do not have the right to take part. When you will be as a child is, then you will have the right to take part. And we know how the worthiness of children, the virtue of children, they don't have the ability to be bitter and hateful in their heart. They may cry from pain, but they do not have 
Их слух закрыт для всяких наветов. Поэтому наш слух, когда будет закрыт от того, а правду ли говорит ваш пастор, а вы совсем согласны. Мало того, что мы слушаем эти голоса, мы сами начинаем говорить, а я не совсем согласен, а я так не понимаю, а у меня есть свое мнение, а я тоже читаю и так далее. Вот дети этого не... People or children do not do such things. When they become older and when the parents tell them to do something, they say, why do I need to do this? They just say, that's why. Or because. I want this, but why can't... Uh, I can't do this now, or why do I have to do it as the parents say? Uh, and they say, when you grow up, you'll do it as you want to do. And so all of those who have bitterness and hate in their heart should not take part in this service. All those who have received Jesus by faith in their heart and made a covenant with the Lord, those who haven't should not take part. Those who may be disqualified or warned or under a warning shouldn't take part. All the rest, whether you're a member of this church or a guest, uh, can take part. Let us stand up and pray for the bread. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for your broken body. When I'll be passing by your people as this bread and we eat of it, may be a blessing and favor the resurrection of your life be upon your children so that eating this broken bread we can be delivered from the sinful person and would be able to receive life in our bodies and healing from all illnesses. We thank you for it and worship before your great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It is written, and he gave thanks and broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body that is broken for you. Please be seated. The road that is approached, please stand. Each one will break their own as I did. Jesus broke and gave it to both his disciples both directions. And he said, share it for amongst yourselves. Each one needed to break his own piece. Breaking of the bread is admitting that it is us and not someone else that had wounded Christ, that he had died for us. This is a sign of our humility. By breaking of the bread, Jesus always, at the time when they were breaking bread, Jesus, after his resurrection, was appear, would appear to, to his disciples. For as often as you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes.
First, often as you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. This phrase, till he comes, we proclaim the Lord's death. It is in the death of Christ that the power of the old man will be destroyed and in the death of Christ our sin was destroyed till he comes we need to proclaim till he comes means not just his second coming not just when he will come secretly and take his bride but when he till he comes when he comes into the heart of a person individually and will become king in his resurrection, we need to do this, we need to proclaim. Psalm 1 Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. But the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The kind of thoughts a person has, that's who he is. But in the law of the Lord is the will of this person about this will. He meditates day and night. <clears throat> when you go to sleep, Try to change your thoughts over, not your on your business, but upon the promises that are not fully understood to you. And ask questions to in the night to God. What, what does this promise mean? We often meditate about what is not fully clear to us or clear but not, not fully in some way or is not really complete in our mind. So that our, And ask these questions and allow the, your spirit to communicate with God in the night. Let us pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the new cup of the covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. When it will be passing by your people and we will take part and drink of it. May your favor and your mercy and you, the, your healing power come upon your children and may it, your promise come about upon them. Amen. Please be seated in the same way that you served each other in taking of the bread, breaking of the bread. Uh, you will. The cup is one for the whole world. And so this is a symbol. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes.
According to the revelation of the Holy Spirit, David had uh, had commanded how the Passover is to be done because after the Egyptian slavery the Passover was done in a very different way it was done on the hill but before they go there to slain the lamb the house was prepared and there was a feast and this feast was accompanied by songs which were all night specific songs and the first song that David had put or commanded that it be sung first at the feast is Psalm 18 in the Russian it's 17 and the English uh, Bible says 18 he had written the psalm when the Lord had delivered him from the hands of all his enemies and the hands of the anointed of God Saul who pursued him I will love you O Lord my strength the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer my God <clears throat> my strength in whom I will trust my shield and the horn of my salvation my stronghold I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so shall I be saved from my enemies it was of course written in a very poetic form in, in the Hebrew language and it was uh, sung with great melodies and so we don't know of course these melodies and the original text because we don't know Hebrew however the Lord is able to put into our heart that uh, state of victory and the demonstration of love here from your mouth what a person says he'll be justified and can be justified and condemned the words of our mouth is the net that we weave it will be either the net of the evil one or the net of the kingdom of heaven what net did David uh, weave for himself he called God what he did, God did for him. We often say we need to call ourselves those names, those promises, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And thank God, you are my protector. You are my healing. You are my provider. Any need, when you call his name and you say, Lord, thank you that you've already fulfilled this need, you weave this net, and then you will uh, fall into that net and give God the ability to fulfill that promise and deliver you from all nature of illness, all nature of fear, and bring you to the perf into perfection as our Heavenly Father. If there anyone that was accidentally passed by, know then we will stand and we will proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.